Computer, initialize Holosuite. And welcome to another episode of The Fire Caves, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. I am one of your hosts, Perry. And I'm your host, David. Tonight we're talking about Season 4, Episode 5, Indiscretion. But before we continue, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube as The Fire Caves, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. That is correct. And again, as I say every single week, you should find us and follow us because we are awesome and we are doing some great things. And we'll get into a lot of that later. Um, did want to just quickly, briefly mention that, uh, as David said, this is episode five. Please keep in mind, our numbering system is not off, okay? Um, the opener of season four was a two-parter, which we treated as one long episode an episode that is available and you should go listen to right now but that is why instead of saying episode six or whatever we say episode five because technically it's all one thing episode one and two are just one okay so uh i don't want to throw anybody off i don't want anybody looking at wikipedia or anything else and being like well actually it's a no be quiet it was a two-parter episode therefore we're counting it as one all right so that's how we're handling this yeah. All right, let's get that yeah. out there. Yeah. And we did this way back when. If you go back to the emissary, the very first episode of season one, we did the same thing there as well. So we're not off. It just makes more sense. It's the tell the whole story. All right, that's how we like to do things. Yeah. <laughs> so as David said tonight, we are talking about the episode Indiscretion, a very interesting episode. We get to see the return of Golden Cot. Mm man who has not been present for a little bit. I mean, we saw him, uh, you know, briefly in Way of the Warrior, but this is the first time we really get a focus on him, and not just him, but also Cardassian yeah. culture, Cardassian life. Mm -hmm. So um, find out some good things. But before we dive into all that, since it's been a little bit, David, how has your week been? It's been good. It's been good. Um, so I watched the show Altered Carbon on Netflix. Have you watched that, Perry? Really? I did. I watched the first season and I really yes. enjoyed it. Second season, not so yeah. much. Okay, so I haven't watched the second yes. season yet. Just watched season one and was really right. happy with it. I really liked it. It was really good. Yeah, the, I thought it was a great new kind of sci-fi. Yes. I don't think I'd ever seen anything like that. And uh, it's been a while since I've seen it. I remember when it first came out. It's it's a few years old. Yeah, I was going to say it's, it's a few years old. And I remember when it first came out and I really really enjoyed it and then um um i think i like things like that that have really complex sci-fi yes. and then there's also like not a whole lot of known actors yeah. in it if i, I think it, it helps me to focus more on the story rather than why so-and-so was playing whatever particular role point. the only actor i recognize you know? is the guy who plays the main character and even his name i don't know off the top of my head um yeah. yeah, he was in like the Suicide Squad, and he was in the new RoboCop a couple of years ago, but I don't remember the actor's name. Anyway, I just watched it last, well, it was like this week and last week, because um, I had watched The Peripheral after reading the book, The Peripheral, that book and show I'd been mentioning, and I figured, ah, this is a similar kind of futuristic premise, 
you know, people kind of having the ability to, like, inhabit bodies that aren't necessarily theirs. Uh, so I just decided to watch it and was really surprised. It's It was a really good show. At least season one was, was, was amazing. Again, I haven't seen season two. Apparently they, you know, have a, there's, there's like an in-universe reason for a change in casting. Um, so I, I want to watch season two, mm-hmm. but I'm not surprised to hear you say that it's not as good as the first season. Uh, I just got the book today, so I do plan on reading the book oh. now. Uh, so let me let me know how is it a book series or is it just one book? So it is a series, but it's a series. Um, okay. It's 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 the Teshi Kovac. It's a Teshi Kovac novel, Kovac novel. So apparently, and again, apparently, season two of the show is like thirty years after season one, and apparently that means that the storylines are very disjointed. You know, it, the main character is the same. But what's going on is different, as far as I can tell. Um, so my okay. See, I, I don't know. If, I don't know if I recall that from the show. I or get. Not, I that was a, too, so a I may be wrong. Made. I may be wrong. But my understanding is, with what I'm thinking, and I may be totally wrong, is that there are three books in the series so far, but I don't know that they are interconnected any more than it's the main character is the same and the setting, or at least the premise behind the technology of this futuristic world is the same. I don't know that it, how much the plot from book to book progresses, not like the expanse where like you basically have a progression, you know, book to book, or if it's just like kind of disjointed, the setting is the same, the character, the main character is the same and that's it. So I'm curious to see how that goes, but seeing as how the show was great, I'm like, I want to read the book now. I didn't even know there was a book. I just watched the show. I didn't either. I didn't either. I was going to say, look, let me know after you finish that first book there what you think yeah. of it because um like i said i really i did i really enjoyed the uh first yeah. season and uh, i would love to see you know kind of like we're doing with the expanse i would love to see like how things changed a bit and you know how things kind of continue right. on as and well I, and i so, just want to um, say it again the show was surprisingly good i was by the end yes i was I, like I, I will absolutely i agree. was like oh my mm-hmm. gosh this was really good i it was one of those like as it's ending, like the the season is ending, and I'm and all of the pieces are falling together, and the characters were coming together, and just the revelation mm-hmm. of everything. There were so many great twists, like plot twists, but not forced. They were. Um, I don't want to say any more than that. If you haven't watched Altered Carbon season one, I recommend it. That's all yeah. I gotta say. I may actually go back and take another look, another pass at season two, because now that we talk about it, I don't think that I actually finished it. I remember not enjoying it when it was first getting started, which was upsetting to me because the new actor in the role was um, Anthony Mackie, and I really like him. And I was just like, I was actually excited when I heard he was going to be in season two of the show, because I know what a... Uh, a good actor he is and so i was like okay i was looking forward to seeing what he brought to it and then it just it wasn't right somehow so i don't think i actually finished it so maybe maybe it's one of those you kind of have to like get through a couple of episodes and then it will start to pick up um maybe i just need to give it another chance i don't know but uh yeah i remember thinking the same thing i thought that the storyline was great. The level of complexity they were giving me for this for the overall story was great. I liked the actors because, like I said, they weren't particularly famous, or at least they weren't on my radar, I should say. So it allowed me to kind of just really look at them as 
as actors in their in their characters and not be like oh well so and so shouldn't be playing this role yeah. and all that other kind of stuff you know and um just really you know go with what they were right. giving and i think it was really good i think we kind of miss that sometimes when we have like big named actors attached to certain stories you get so distracted by who is playing what that it's hard to um really focus on what the story is they're giving you there I, I feel like there's very few actors that are able to really overcome that and of course the only one in my head that i think successfully does it is tom hanks <laughs> i think that he's he's great and maybe that's why he's in so many things because he just he has an ability at least to me of even though i know it's tom hanks in whatever role he does such a great job portraying the characters that you kind of that drops away yeah, a bit and uh, yeah yeah you're less impressed with Tom Hanks in the role, and it's more like, man, that, that was a great yeah. story. Um, another actor, I think, who did that, and it's unfortunate that you know he did what he did. Um, I was going to say is uh, yeah. yeah, Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey. Yeah. yeah, I I always thought Kevin Spacey was a great uh, great character actor. One of the, again, one of the yeah. few, and um, it's upsetting that he um, you know did what he did and uh, messed himself up. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, he, those two really do stand out in my mind as like great, uh, top tier character actors, you know, uh, and yeah, they're just, they're just really good. Yeah. But yeah, um, as for me, I have really just been doing nothing but Trek and Trek related stuff. Obviously season three of, of Picard is, uh, almost over as of this broadcast, we will only actually, by the time people hear this episode, the show will be well, over. Unless they watch on the YouTube. Season will be over. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Unless you're watching on YouTube with us tonight, later on, whatever, then yeah, you then you guys know we have a week. We we just had the release of episode nine, episode ten, the final episode comes out next week or whatever. But um, um, since David hasn't watched any of it, there's not much I am willing to say other than. I have immensely enjoyed this season. Like it's it's wonderful. The nostalgia, I don't feel like the nostalgia aspects of it are overly done. I don't feel like the story has really um like lost its way or anything like that. I think they've done a great job of building from week to week to week. Even the episode, like cuz there's one episode that people do say is, you know, weaker than the other ones. And it is a bit of a slower episode, but it works. It works for everything else that's going on in the other episodes you've watched so far and the ones that come after it. So, like, it, it doesn't hurt anything at all. And I I absolutely adored the last episode, episode nine. It was, it was everything. It was all the things that you were really kind of needing um, them to do and to have before going into the final episode of the show so i'm really excited about um episode 10 kind of sad because that means it'll be over um now of course there's murmurings about uh potential spinoffs we've talked about this a lot you know spinoffs 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 which ones are gonna you know happen which ones aren't and all that kind of stuff um it's it's clear to me already that there is going to be a spinoff from Picard. What it's going to entail, who's going to be involved in it, that is literally anyone's guess. I, I feel like Patrick Stewart is done. I feel like this was it for him. Um, 
and kind of telling the story of Picard the way he wanted to tell it. I think that's what this whole series was about. Him kind of getting a chance to, you know, kind of put a final stamp on this character that he's been, you know, portraying for 40 years, you know. Um, But not so much for the others. There's a lot with each of them but you could see a potential of them doing more with or and them and them coming back for other stuff should they do more. There are a couple of characters who it's like it's obvious these guys should have their own show. Whether or not they will be the direct spin-off or not, I don't know, but they but they are great. They're just great. And um I'm gonna say it, one of them is Worf. I feel like Worf is just uh I don't know. Again, there is something about Worf and something about Michael Dorn that makes that character fun and relatable and uh, he's just he's got so much going for him and then the way he plays with certain other characters they all work his stuff with seven of nine albeit limited was great his stuff with Rafi or Raphael as he insists on calling her is great um yeah, I I would love to see them do something, but um, I don't. I really don't know. I don't know who's going to be in the spinoff or not. I just know that there will be a spinoff. We can expect there will be a spinoff from the show featuring some of them gotcha. somewhere gotcha. down the road. Um, one thing I will say that's been pretty funny uh, that I've I don't know why I've started noticing it, but just how old everybody is. <laughs> And it's and it's not because they make like the obligatory old joke or whatever it is, right? But it's because like the way they move and their mannerisms, you know, like you'll you'll catch them doing something and you'll be like, okay, yeah, that's that's that old man walk or whatever it is, right? Oh, that, there's somebody who's you know had a couple of injuries they never healed right from and stuff like that, you know. So it's just it's interesting to watch. But other than I'm not going to go into all that because it's not why we're here tonight but you know and it doesn't take anything away from those guys at all they look amazing there are some great promo shots of the picard uh cast and crew that are just fantastic and if you haven't seen them you should go see them. not you david because you have watched <laughs> the show and and if you if you see the promos it gives away a lot so but for those of us who know man they look great they look great um but yeah We'll get you there. We'll get you there, David. Um, there is big speculation as to who the final reveal is, final big returning reveal is. Is it Janeway? Is it someone else? Is it whatever? I don't think it's Janeway. Um, not to say that I don't think that she won't appear at some point, but I don't think she's going to appear the way everybody thinks she is. So that's all I'll say on that. I, I think she's there. They've mentioned her a few times. But the way they've mentioned her, it's kind of clear that she's n- not who you think she is. So, um, yeah, I don't think it's going to be Janeway. Other than that, um, it's been great. It's been wonderful. And when we finally get to a point where we can really debate it, there are several different points that I'm going to just bash over the head of everyone listening with because it was so obvious you should have picked up on this a long time ago. That kind of thing. <laughs> but as we've said, we're not here for that. We are here for Indiscretion, Deep Space Nine, Kira and Ducat. Uh, David, would you like me to give the recap or do you want to do it? Uh, who did it last week? Who, who, who's turning it off? Is it my turn? Is it your turn? 
I don't, I don't know. Did I, did I do it last week? I think I did it because it wasn't, wasn't last week the yes. visitor. No, no, no. Hi- Hippocratic Oath was last week. No, and Hippocratic Oath week. was last week. week. Okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. All right. Yeah. All right. Okay, guys. So this one, again, as uh, Perry just insinuated, is going to be focusing on Major Kira and Dukat. So episode opens up and Major Kira gets a uh, message from a Bajoran smuggler that he might have recovered a piece from the Robinok, a lost Cardassian ship that disappeared six years ago before the uh, Bajoran occupation was ended that included a number of Bajoran prisoners, including a friend of Kira's. As she's making uh, uh, plans to go leave the station and investigate, uh, Cisco comes in and says, hey, uh, turns out the Cardassians are asking you to pause and allow one of their people to come along with you because, of course, it was one of their ships. And so they're asking that they accompany you on your mission. Kira very, very reluctantly agrees. And who does it turn out that they send to go on the trip but Gold Dukat? Gold Dukat shows up and says, you ready to go? I'm ready. And so Kira says, all right, look, I'm in charge of this mission. You have to obey my orders. I'm in charge of this. So if we have any problems, let me know. And Gold Dukat, um, I mean, I'm going to go ahead and say it now, I guess a little bit preemptively, Gold Dukat expresses admiration for Kira to the point where, at least for me, and I, Perry, you can let me know if this is accurate or not, but to the point where he's almost willing to suggest that it's more than just admiration for another person, but maybe something more there. And I, I, there's a reason to think more about that, but we'll get there. Um, when they get to the area, or they, they get to the smuggler and they, they, examine the piece of metal and they determine that yes it was a piece of the Ravanok and then they find out where the piece was found from a federation from a Ferengi ship yada 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 so they go to the area where they think the ship uh was last seen and ultimately end up on a planet uh that does have the wreckage of the Ravanok and there are 12 graves at the site and so while Kira investigates the wreckage Gold Dukat uh goes into the graves to determine if they can identify who was in the graves. Um, when Kira comes back out, she sees the gold Dukat is, well, she later says he's weeping or crying, but he's not doing that much emotional other than he does have a Bajoran earring in his hand. And we come to learn that the Bajoran woman who had this earring was his Bajoran mistress when he was the leader of the Bajoran occupation. And then we come to learn that this mistress of his had a 13-year-old girl, a daughter, that he was the father of. And he had been trying to send them away from Bajor because he knew that the Cardassian occupation was ending. And he cared for this Bajoran woman and his daughter. And he was trying to get them away from Bajor so that they wouldn't have to live on Bajor after the occupation had ended or on Cardassia. Because in neither, uh, on neither planet would they have been fully accepted. So he was trying to get them away to a different planet to live out their lives as best they could. He is married, however, and has seven children with his wife. And so this mistress and child with this mistress are a big problem for him. Back on Cardassia, if she is welcomed by him, this is a hybrid. Yeah, she's a hybrid. You know, it, it would endanger his family and career. It'd be a scandal. Uh, especially because he has made enemies now that he has uh, aligned himself with the with the new Cardassian civilian government. So 
uh, he has come here to kill both women, both the mistress he had and the daughter, if he can find them. The, the mistress, his mistress is dead, and so now he needs to confirm that his daughter is dead uh, because he can't have her come back to haunt his career. Kira is obviously horrified. Uh, this is absolutely ridiculous, and she tells him to his face that if you kill your daughter, if we find her and you kill her, I will kill you. Um, and they argue, and eventually they do find the survivors of the Ravenok. It turns out that the survivors were captured and imprisoned and made to do forced labor for another race of aliens on this planet, the, the Breen, apparently. And so mm -hmm. they, they are able to disguise themselves as Breen, break in, rescue the prisoners, and Dukat confronts his daughter. And she, re she recognizes him, and she... She she has an emotional reaction, like she wants him to be there. She was uh, she had been uh, imagining that he would come rescue her, but she also had been hearing from Cardassians that he would never uh, let her live, and so he's here to kill her. And so he's you know Kira has a gun to Dukat, and Dukat has a gun to his daughter, and Kira Kira knows that Cold Dukat doesn't actually have it in him to kill his own daughter. The reason he even uh, confessed to it was because he was actually deeply uh, conflicted over this and actually does want to reconcile with his daughter. And so they rescue the daughter, they go back, and Gold Dukat says, I'm going to take her back to Cardassia and deal with the ramifications, you know, damn the, damn the consequences. So, um, and they actually, Kira and Dukat actually kind of have a affectionate moment right before uh, Gold Dukat leaves. So, again, is there something more there? That would be absolutely insane if there was, but who knows. So, uh, meanwhile, there is a side plot on the station. Uh, ben Sisko is having some lady problems because his girlfriend, Cassidy, um, is interested in taking up a new job to work for Bajor uh, on a more regular basis so she'll be able to be around the station more. And with the help of Dax, she is like, oh, I could move on to the station. I could get quarters on the station. I could be around more. And poor Ben Sisko does not give a good answer. It's a it's big, a big step. step, he says. It's a big step. And so, step. of course, Cassidy is not happy with that answer. And so they have a bit of a conflict. And so Sisko has to eventually, by the end, come back to her and say, look, um, I'm... My job cost cost the life of my previous wife. You know, my my what I do is is dangerous. I I don't want you to be in danger. Uh, funny enough, it's actually his son Jake who is the wise one, parenting his father, saying, "Look, it's her choice." Role yeah, reversal. It's her. It's her. Uh, it's her life. Let her live it. And if that means she wants to be close to you and and take on the risk of. Uh, being with you, that's her choice. Don't force her away uh, against her will, or don't make the decision for her. And uh, it's a great moment. Cisco leans in for a kiss with Cassie, and she walks away. They've reconciled, but he still is in the doghouse for a little bit. <laughs> she, she, I'm gonna say she teases. Oh yeah. She, she clearly was leading him on. So. Great, great yeah. scene with that. A lot to talk about even um, in that part of the storyline. The, the side. Oh, we're oh, going yeah, to. There's a lot there. <laughs> Don't worry. We're going to. Um, can't, especially when we have something that features the Cisco's, we can't oh, yeah. um, 
leave them hanging. They yeah, obviously, I, I'm going to just say it. They're a favorite family. Like we've seen different family dynamics, but obviously we've never seen one with such uh, such a focus. And uh, we've both commented on it enough. I think it's fair to say that we enjoy right. the Cisco family. So, um, yeah. Before I do anything else, uh, I just want to mention this episode apparently was directed by LeVar Burton. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Um, great thing to great thing to shout out there, Mr. Burton, giving us a lot uh, with Trek continuing to do so, you know. And um, again, go watch Picard because he's there doing some great stuff right. still. Um, but yeah, so um, let's just start with first impressions. What were you, you know? Obviously, as you as the person who is new to Deep Space Nine, what were your first thoughts on this episode? Well, uh. I'll start with by saying that um, Nana Visitor as Kira Nerys has never looked better. Like this, whatever the suit they have her in now, they don't have the weird shoulder pads. It's frankly, it's more tight fitting. So she's able to just be itself. She has got the red lipstick on. She looks great. And Gold Dukat, as I was kind of saying earlier, I mean, not only did he have a Bajoran mistress, but he seems to be indicating that he likes Kira on some level. He admires her. Yeah, he does. He no, he. It's definitely more than an admiration. Yes. He's definitely infatuated. Yes, he's attracted he would to very Kira. much like to be. Yes, yes, he's attracted to Kira. Um, and again, I, I it's just the part of my brain that sympathizes with Kira is like that's just not even possible. So I can't even I entertain that idea. It's just impossible to entertain it. But that is what is being communicated from Gold Ducat uh, is that he's attracted to her. And, um, you know, the number of people who really do think that at some point they could work it out and be a couple is astonishing. It would be I, the most, I don't know. I, I, I Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. I, I don't, I know. I just, I don't know what people have in their brains that make them think that this is possible, but at every turn, Kira has done nothing but express utter disgust with this man. And even in their most so-called tender of moments, she is always very quick to remind him that it'll never happen. And Whatever it and is, it's, don't it, even think it. Yeah. yeah. Even to the point that it has made it into the Deep Space Nine documentary. If you watch the documentary, What We Leave Behind, <laughs> she talks about how disgusted by Ducat she right. was and when even whenever when other people would even suggest it how infuriated yes. she got because she was like Kira would yes. never and yet there are people who to this yes. day persist with the thought and I'm like listen the woman herself has yeah. said never gonna happen please yeah. stop please please yeah. stop but yeah and you're right I mean he has all of the charm of a sleaze bag <laughs> and he's trying He's trying, definitely. I think that he's trying to, you know, intimate some kind of, we, we may have, he even says, we'll, we'll, we could be close friends. And he's obviously meaning the, right. them, not Cardassia yes. and Bajor. He means him and yes. him and Kara. And she's like, yeah. nope, assuming never going to happen. That, yeah, assuming um, that Cardassia and Bajor ever work out, not you and me. That's Yeah, she makes that very clear right. early on. Um, but yeah, I mean... The idea that Gold Ducat, I mean, so 
when when Kira and what a sleazeball! I just say again, what a sleazeball! Yeah. Considering that he's on a mission where he knows if he finds this woman and their child, he is going to kill them, and he's married with seven children, and he's still trying to put the moves on Kira. At what point did anybody think that this was a? Oh yeah, this is a guy Kira's gonna hook up with. <laughs> she she is. I mean, yes, she is. You know, she's got a questionable, you know, assassin past or whatever, but. At what point have we ever felt that Kira was that morally compromised that she would take up with a man who has twice already cheated on his yeah. wife? Yeah. Oh, twice. Come on. What's the second? I mean... Oh, sorry. <laughs> Did you reveal something? Mild spoiler. Well, Mild there spoiler. Was, there was sorry. the woman... Okay, so in that episode, the flashback where we went to... It was about Odo learning to be... Uh, he was He was becoming... He was, they were on the station back when it was under Cardassian control, and Odo was learning to be a detective, and there's that blonde woman who was the married to the one guy. That's oh, not, yeah. Was, mm-hmm. he, was she involved with Gold Ducat? I think that was, right? I I think that they kind of danced around it, didn't totally implicate. They implicated that she was obviously a collaborator, yes. but... They kind of made it more like she and her husband were collaborators. We're not really sure, like, the full extent of her involvement. So is it possible? I remember you said there was a a scene that was cut that actually did make it clear that she was having an intimate relationship with Golden Pot. But again, that scene was cut from the final episode and apparently never got to air. And even the the footage was ultimately lost or something. Is that... Well, well, what... What I was thinking of was not that. There's something mild else. Spoiler. Okay. There's something else. Yeah, coming. there's mild spoiler. That's all I'm going to say. I didn't. I don't think I gave it. I just. I just said twice because I knew. But yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah mild, mild spoiler. spoiler. All so, right. There. Okay. Well, we. I'm, yeah. I, let me put it this way. I'm not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You yeah, shouldn't yeah. be. You the shouldn't fact be. That he had a, a mistress, and that you know, it's it's funny. You know, everyone. I think a lot of people can relate to when you have a past flame and you've broken up and it's in the past, you can look back on it with, you know, rose-colored glasses. So, yeah, of course his mistress that he had, he was all rosy-eyed about because he didn't have to worry about her for 13 years, or the last five years. So now he can be all sentimental about her body in the gra- in, in a grave and all that. But how much did well, he Well, I think really that more than anything. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Well, I think that more than anything is what did it for him was the fact that she was mm-hmm. dead. Like, he was very sad and broken up that she was dead. But as he indicated, before they found out that she was dead, that if he found her, he was going to have to kill right. her. Wait. Well, after... That was after. after that was after they... After they was... Right. That ex- was after. the bodies and find the earring, yes. and then he talks but, about it. Yeah. But we find out that that was his mission all along. He was coming to kill Tora Naprem and right. her daughter. And uh, the fact that the ship crashing had done that for him, that was just one less thing. And he got to be sad and weep over her grave and everything else because he didn't have to kill her. But he was still going to carry out the mission. Well, I mean, again, Kira is all like, you told me because you actually didn't want to do it. You wanted someone to stop you. But yeah, that's what he was there for. That's the reason he agreed to go along. But actually, on that point, Mm -hmm. so let's talk about, so Mark Alamo? Alamo? Alemo, Mark Alemo was, was the one who plays Golducat, and mm-hmm. in the, in the runabout at the beginning of this, when they're talking, they, I mean the camera is more focused; it's more like zoomed in on him than ever before. And so, like seeing Mark underneath all that Cardassian makeup, like he popped out of that makeup more than ever before in my in my estimation. Again, I feel like it was 
it was camera work, but I also feel like they had done something with the with the makeup to like make his face like not so covered. I don't know if that makes any sense, but he just popped more in that scene for me. I think I understand what yeah. you're saying. Yeah, you you, and it's weird because you know what I noticed something similar, but uh, it was at the end of the episode. At the end of the episode, when he's you know standing on the promenade with Kira before he goes to his ship and like that. I noticed his face looked different to me and it took me a minute to realize what it was. And it was that he looked, um, very smooth, very polished versus when we saw him earlier in the episode and especially on the runabout and then down on the planet where he seemed his skin was more lined and you could see pores and, um, you know, he was very, he was more, I guess, natural animalistic i don't know what phrase you want to use for that but he did like and i just i don't know if it was just a, a camera thing or if they were trying to highlight the fact that they're on this arid planet and cardassians are basically giant lizard people and um the warmth kind of invigorated him versus being on the cold bajoran run station now and so now he's kind of this smooth oily clammy feature uh, creature I, I don't I don't know, but I did notice a difference. I didn't I didn't think about it as being like a camera mistake or a makeup mistake. I just thought that it was something that had to do with you know the physiology there because there was a lot of talk of physiology and noting the distinct differences between Cardassians and Bajorans, and yet at the same time they can clearly um, mate and and have hybrid yeah. children. Yeah, which is so, a question all of itself. But I, I, uh, yeah. it happens across. That, it is. Star yeah, Trek and, has it all the places. But you know what? But you know, that's the thing too about, you know, Star Trek does it does things to feature uh hybrids, but it's not as common as you think. In most cases we see people who are homogenous, right? And then they will throw a, you know, a hybrid in somewhere like um, you know, Spock is obviously our first as the half Vulcan, half human uh uh, individual, and then of course in, um, I don't think in Next Generation they did hybrids of any kind. I remember there being one kind of like throw-off character who wasn't, you know, he wasn't a recurring character, he wasn't a main part of the cast or anything, who was a who was a, or I think a human Romulan hybrid. But um, other than that, that was it. But then Voyager did it, they had the half-human half-Klingon and then here we have Torazial on um, Deep Space Nine. Right. Okay. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's not, they make it sound like it's common, but at the same time, it's like you only ever see it, uh, it's, it's rare. Like, there's not like a group of them in Starfleet, right? The, you know, but uh, uh, it's weird the way that it's pointed out, and it, it kind of, you you know, denotes its own uniqueness. And it makes you wonder about other races. Like, could a human and a Ferengi have a child? Of all the races you yeah. had to suggest, that was the one. I had to. <laughs> Which actually mm -hmm. is funny, that, that does tie in later in. Because we do have some Ferengi love advice from Cork, but we'll save that. The best love advice, the best love advice I've oh, ever heard. In fact, was, I remember the first time I heard it, and I still repeat it to this day. Hilarious. I it love it. Absolutely, it's hysterical. fantastic. Yes. But let me okay. go back. 
Mark Yes, go ahead. Lemo. I was going to say, let's get back Lemo. to Mark Lemo. Um, the reason I was bringing him up is because this man subjected himself to humiliation in this episode, and you know exactly what I'm talking about, Perry. That man bent over for the camera and rubbed a something on his butt because he apparently stabbed <laughs> the himself. The dermal regenerator. He let Kira pull something out of his behind because he sat down on some spiky thing. I was yes. like, this man committed. Like, they said, this is what you're going to do in this episode. And he did it. <laughs> I, I paused it, and I turned to my roommate. And I was like, this man committed to the part. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And Kira laughs at him, and he starts laughing, too. And I was just like, I mean, we had to fill in some time, apparently. Because uh, it turned into a serious scene well, after it, all that happens. But <laughs> Yeah. And I think this is also part of one of those things of where this is them attempting to kind of soften the character of Gold Ducat. Because you got to keep in mind, the few times we'd seen Ducat before this, there was always a very um, confrontational, adversarial tone with him. He had this kind of, you know, he like he was perched above and he was watching these, watching everybody else while he had all the answers. And he was just waiting for a chance to strike and take back all that he had uh, lost. Right. And that's even how he presented himself and things. And that's kind of some of the things that he said at different times about how, you know, Cardassia would one day regain all that it had lost. And he, and while he would say Cardassia, you knew he meant himself. Oh. And so in this episode, we are seeing a kind of a softening of the character. We see him frantically looking through the remains. He finds the earring and the bracelet for Torah Naprem. He cries um, uh, over her death and uh, then here we are, we see him in this kind of, not kind of, but this very humorous scene. He's got the sand spike in his butt. She's got to pull it out. He's jiggling around from the pain and everything. And then, of course, rubbing the dermal regenerator and all that. I you mean, it was a lot it of these on. things you were have to turn it on. Right. <laughs> a lot of these things were to get you to laugh and kind of forget for a second that for a good portion of earlier episodes, earlier seasons, he was an enemy. And then, um, you know, and then just as you're starting to kind of relax your guard around this guy a little bit, and even Kira does it, because she's like, oh, now I understand why you wanted to come on the mission, because, and she echoes the thought that the rest of us were most likely having when the reveal of who Torazial was, right? She's like, oh, that's why you were so desperate to come on this meeting. You wanted to find your daughter, and rescue yes. her, and it kind of, and again, it almost softens you a and little bit more to him. Oh, he's not such a bad guy. He wants to rescue his daughter, and, and as he's soon like, as she said actually, that, I knew his next line was going to be, "No, I'm here to kill her." It just, it was just the next line that made sense. And uh, yeah, yeah I, I mean, again, I like predicting stories as yeah. they happen. See if I can guess them right. And I was like, "Yep, yeah, I got the one right." <laughs> yep. And he, I mean, and he says it, and the way she jerks around it was kind of like the same reaction. You know, you're just like, "Oh." you're going to kill your daughter. And yeah, it was just like, so I remember trying to, it, it, cause it escaped me at first of just how old Zial mm-hmm. was She'd because be yeah. I don't know why I thought that she was, um, like a kid. Like for some reason, I just, I always had this image in my mind of her being like six or seven years old and ushered onto the ship and, jetting off wherever but no she was 13 and then her father you know like so now it's been six years since anybody has seen the ship so yeah she's gone 
She's 19 years old. She's an adult, at least by human standard. She's in the she's an adult, a young adult, but still an right. adult. And so she can clearly remember her father. And that's what always threw me off because I was just like, there's no way she would have recognized him on site like that. But then I was but then like again the math clicked in my head and I was like, Yes, she yeah. would. She was thirteen. Yeah. They they were together. On there's no capacity, reason that she wouldn't recognize him. Yeah, there is a right. question of how much would they have known each other, how much did he like keep her hidden away? But yes, yeah, she recognized him, yeah. Yeah, you know, and um And she had dreamed of him saving her. That's something she yeah. says, which is very poignant as he's about to shoot her in the face. <laughs> shoot her. Right. He's about to kill her. And he and here she is talking about how the thing that's kept her going, kept mm. her alive, is this uh this fantasy of her father coming to save yeah. her. And um yeah, just a a, a very conflicting convoluted people yes. the Cardassians. Yeah. this isn't the first time that we've had to deal with Cardassian family right. dynamics yep. you know thinking all the way back to that episode where we had the adopted boy rugel who uh the bajorans had taken him in and then his father had shown up to his real father's Cardassian father had shown up to take him right. back but even then as much as they tried to stress the importance of family um, we find out that Rugal's real father was more interested in exacting his revenge on those who had hidden his child away from him than he was on actually giving his boy a real home. He was ready to disrupt his life, remove him from his Bajoran parents, and whisk him away to Cardassia, all so that he could punish these other people versus actually pay attention to the son that he claimed he loved so much and lost. And then we see you know, similar things being echoed here by Ducat, who's talking about how much he loves his family and family is the most important thing to a Cardassian and everything I'm doing here is to protect my family, my wife, my seven children. I'm going to shoot her. It's like, what? Yeah, Kira has, like, what are you talking yeah, Kira about? Kira has great responses to him when he starts trying to defend and excuse his, his attempt to kill her. And he's like, and basically her, she, she works through it out and she's like, you're just here to protect yourself. And he's, hey, you're not protecting your family, protecting yourself. And he's like, well, I protect my family by protecting myself. And she just doesn't, she won't take it. She's like, no, no, this is about you. <laughs> no, this is all about, yeah, this is all about you. This is all you about you maintaining right. power. This is all this is. This has nothing to do with Seattle, nothing to do with your family back home, right. none of it. And um, I still think it's interesting that in the end, she was fine with him putting her on a ship to go back to Cardassia. What's to stop him on their trip back to Cardassia from pushing her out of an airlock or poisoning her? Or she, I'm just saying, yeah. like, if she was legit about saving the girl, why didn't she offer to keep her on the station? Kira, she could stay on the station. Yeah. Yeah, why didn't care? Question. She's 19 years yeah. old, so it's not like she needed necessarily a, a guardian to stay with her or whatever like that. She's a young woman. She could she could join Starfleet. She could do she could have a job on the station. There's plenty of things for her to have done on the station and been safe. But no, because he seemingly had a change of heart, we're gonna let you guys go back on a Cardassian freighter <laughs> together, alone, unsupervised, not even a security guard. Like nothing. Like, seriously, Ducat is stupid. He should have never told her what his real mission was. He should have just found Zial, thanked her for helping him find Zial, boarded the ship, and halfway to the ship just opened the door. Perry's all planning murder over here. (laughs) I'm just saying, like, if there's there's one thing that all the space shows that I've watched have taught me, it's that in space, you can get away with murder. (laughs) 
Right, that's what I've learned from all of them. There's no body. They don't leave them out in airlock. There's no a and 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 in our current laws still state, you know, no body, no case. Space is dark and vast. I mean, okay, you're saying in okay, never mind, never mind. (laughs) In in current yes, in current legal lingo, if there's no body, there's no case. If someone just goes missing, they're missing until there's a body found. So they're just missing. So again, space is dark and vast. Plenty of places you could just throw a body and no one would find it. So I'm sure the expanse has explored that a bit. <laughs> oh, several times. I know. Several times. Yeah, it definitely has. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it won't leave a won't leave a blood yeah. trace or anything like that. Just push her out the airlock. She'll be and she'll be dead in seconds. Not painful at all. Seconds yeah. gone, done. So yeah, he could have just lied and then just pushed out. I mean, he could have set a phaser to vaporizer. Again, no residue left behind. Just, just gone. You know, out of sight, out of mind. But no, we none of that was talked about. None of that, whatever. He just lie, man. If it's that important to you, just lie. Well, again, that's why the whole Kira says the reason you told me is because you didn't actually want to do this. Um, so yeah, yeah. Um. Oh, I just wanted to... So, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, this isn't the last time that we see Tora Um She will be back. Uh, so we know he doesn't do he doesn't do what I say. Um, but he will, they will be back, and we will find out the uh, ramifications and repercussions and consequences of Zial going to Cardassia. Wow. Okay. I'm glad to hear that, because I feel like they could have just literally, in terms of storytelling, pushed her out an airlock, and we never hear of her again. But if they are going to be be consistent and hold that plot line through, then that's great. I look forward to seeing more of that. Yes, they do. And it, it's it's an interesting story. But again, it just makes me wonder about Cardassians because it's just like, why would you make such a big deal about family and yet you don't accept your family members, right? And then it's if, if, you're, and if, if it's a thing about purity – Right, and we don't want half breeds running through our streets or whatever. Then why don't you more stringently discipline your um, officers, your rank and file? Because Kira even says you're not the first Cardassian to keep a Bajoran mistress, so we know that that's not the first hybrid that they've ever well, had. We know so she's let's, not. Uh, my remembering of that episode we just talked about about the boy who was left on Card- on Bajor, who was a Cardassian, and all that is the guy who was his real father, the Cardassian, was basically, if I remember correctly, was insinuating that it's shameful to not have protected his son. It's it's shameful that he couldn't care, couldn't, like, he, he lost his son, his son was kidnapped. Uh, that's the shame that he would experience. So it's not that um, he is ashamed of his son in the sense that he has a son, as much as, like, the his ability to protect his son. So like the shame that maybe gold Dukat would experience is, well, first off the Bajorans were, you know, a subjugated race. How could you fall for them? Actually, gold Dukat even says that to Kira in the runabout. He says that he basically insinuates that the Car- the Cardassian uh, invasion and occupation was good for Bajor. And like, we actually, yes, he does. What a, what a piece of yeah. work. And what a thing he says, go ahead. I, I want to you talk to tell that. Cause yeah. that was, he, he says yeah. he says to her like you guys had like lost all of your energy and all of your passion and y'all are just isolated on your little planet and whatever you might say about the Cardassians we inspired you to rise up and be more than you were yeah. 
and it's we kicked you out of your complacency yeah. and we made you you're made of sterner stuff now you're stronger than you've ever been in centuries yeah. uh and it's all because yeah. of us and there and, are just so many things yeah. you're like oh man so many things wrong with this yes. mindset just like oh, i've yeah i've never just been like you know what i think this is what how i feel when i talk to people who are just deeply wrong about yeah. something and you're just like i don't even know where to begin like where do i where do i start with why you're so messed right. up like that was that was kind of the face that i felt like kira was having was yeah yeah whoo this woman just the the patience to also not push him out of an airlock. She didn't want to go with him in the first place. No one would scream foul if you know what he didn't come back from the mission. I mean, well, they kind of has the government right? a whole like, lot of. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, but they'd have to prove it first. They have to prove that she did well, it on purpose. I guess purpose. the only way to get and someone with... out of, out of those runabouts is to beam them off. But that could work too. <laughs> I mean, they were flying towards a planet that had already forced down one and ship, right? And it had all kinds inter- of ionic yeah, interference. Right, yeah. And, right. Yeah. And, I mean, he could have just been lost in turbulence. And that's he was even right. ready to that's beam down right. right away. And she stopped him. She was like, I had to scatter your monocles. She could have just said, we didn't know that it was that bad. <laughs> Beamed him down. He never he never materialized. Whoops. Yeah, yeah. Whoops. And she wouldn't have it even could been have lying. Worked. She could have been totally right nope. about all of it. Yeah. Right, oh. and and Starfleet would have defended her. Cisco would have defended her. The Bajoran people would have defended her. And with the peace treaty in place, no one was going to really press and that issue. And with the Cardassians on the back foot because of the Klingon invasion, which, did they mention any of that at the beginning mm-hmm. of this one? I feel like it no, wasn't this one, it was the last episode. They didn't episode. really mention it much. Yeah, they last they episode. They didn't mention occupying it. some of the frontier settlements of the Cardassians. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, so not a really a big deal here, but yeah, it's just like we 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 they would have had other pressing concerns right. than trying to launch a full on investigation into what happened to Goldicott around a planet that so clearly has obvious flaws. That's what that right. would have been. Yeah, yeah, uh, obvious flaw, obvious dangers. I would say the planet clearly had some very obvious dangers, and uh, he was a casualty. Done. Wash your hands, and then we would have, you know, that would have ended several other plot points down the line. We w- we wouldn't have, but whatever. Let's just go for the convoluted story, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I feel like we kind of hit up all that, so we can. I guess we can move over to the. Yes. Now we can turn our attention to the yes. Cisco's, and we are entering into entering into uh, the the next stage of development. Here we have a fully. <laughs> adult jake cisco mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. you know jake is 18 18 years old we've got uh ben who is no longer living as the single father and now he's entered into his own kind of second stage of life and he is uh trying to have a relationship first real relationship since uh yes. jennifer yep so here we go <laughs> here we yeah. go so just to bring you back up to speed on this one, of course, is, as David said in his recap, Cassidy has been offered a great job, which will keep her not only in the sector, but allow her to live on the station. And she asked the question of, should she get quarters on the station or not? And his response was, that's a big step. So uh, this causes a lot of hijinks to ensue. And uh, you know what? I'm going to say it. A lot of those hijinks are caused by Dax. Dax is not a friend yep. here. She is yep. an instigator. 100%. She just... The way Cisco uh, glares at her after yeah. she suggests getting states. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
to be fair to Cassidy, the fact that he wasn't ready to answer that question, I mean, yes, Dax T-balled that up for, for Cassidy, but he also wasn't ready for it. Um, but yeah, no, she is not a help at all. She is, she is. Not at all. Yeah, she's got it for him. <laughs> so now, I guess we do have to try to look at everybody's position here as objective ways we can, you know. It would, regardless of relationship, it would make a lot of sense for Cassidy to live on the station, considering her job as a freighter captain. She would need to be close by her ship, which would make sense to be docked at the station. And with all the business and commerce that goes around on the ship anyway, it makes sense for her to have a place there on the station. And then she's working in the Bajoran sectors, which is where the station is. So again, more sense for her to be there. So yeah, just a lot of things that just say she should have quarters on the station. Um, and then again, and then look at it from Ben's perspective. Again, he's been single for a long time. He's his brief attempts at romance intimacy have not gone well. And the last really serious relationship, even as he admits was with Jennifer and his job, his profession being in Starfleet, uh, got her killed. And he doesn't want to go through that again. Understandable. The man was all PTSD, yelling at Picard, and the rest of them, and everything else behind uh, uh, the loss of his wife. And he didn't want to go through that kind of trauma again. Again, completely understandable. I mean, if you've been through a terrible trauma, are you wanting to relive it any time again in your life? Of course not. So, you know, I've seen people argue that Ben was being selfish and he was being a little, you know, uh, you know, treading water here, whatever, instead of committing to a decision. But I think he had every right to be hesitant here. I mean, for from what we can tell, his relationship with Cassidy, I mean, it's not like they've been dating for years or something right. like that. This is, you know, still new. All this is still very new. And for her to suddenly be making her home at his place, you know, that's where he, not only he works, but he lives, he's raising his well, son he's in there. control of it, I mean, he uh, can literally find and, her and, quarters, yeah. 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 It's not just like, hey, I have a home yeah, down the know. street now, it's like, hey, I bought a house right. for you down it's the street. Like yeah, yeah, well, not quite like that. Right. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you know, but yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of implication there, you know, even if she does have her own quarters on the station somewhere, how soon until she's just living in his quarters, Right. So, I mean, there's a lot that goes on there with that kind of decision. And I think that he was absolutely, it was absolutely fine of him to want to consider things before making any particular commitment. And I, it's a very obvious 90s trope for the woman to scream, you're afraid of commitment. And I, you know, it's one of those moments where I kind of cringed a little bit because I was like, oh, is he afraid of commitment? Like, or I, I don't is think he that legitimately considering all the implications of what commitment right. mean and doesn't want to preemptively commit to something he's not ready for? Right. <laughs> and it's like, why is that suddenly a bad thing that he's he's attempting to be honest with at least himself right. and recognizing that this may not be something he's ready for? He obviously cares about you he obviously you know wants you to be in his life and everything but does he want you to you know live down the hall basically like her eagerness to be in a relationship with him i'm not saying is at fault in any way but at the same time it's just like we're supposed to be so considerate of her feelings and her position here but none of the same consideration is necessarily given to ben at least not 
right away. Once we finally get to a point where we hear why he was so hesitant and we hear his objections, I think people did kind of be like, oh, well, yeah, that makes sense. But for the first part, especially the way that it's presented, they make it almost seem like he's just dragging his feet because, oh, he's typical man. He can't say I love you. But that's not it at all. The man's been through some things. He's not just some jerk who doesn't want to share his home because he wants to play Xbox all day. He's already lost yeah. a wife. He's already been through a, a very traumatic heartbreak. Right. He's got a reason to be yeah. hesitant, you know? So, uh, yeah, that that always, that part where she's yelling at him about afraid of commitment, I really wish that they just found another way to kind of challenge his hesitancy and not make it that. Yeah, instead of like, because that I wasn't think you're afraid of commit. The, be more, that's, I wish she'd been more sympathetic. Being like, are you yeah. afraid of of commitment, not accusing, but like, Hey, uh, I'm sensing some hesitancy here. Are, are, is there something you're concerned with? Is there a problem? Yeah. Right. Is there something you're concerned about? Let's talk about this and figure out what your objection is. If, if you have an objection, because she didn't even really know that he had an objection. Right. She just, I mean, like, yeah, he, I mean, I'm not saying his answer was great. It's a big step, whatever. <laughs> but again, he didn't, he didn't, um, he didn't say right. no, but she, and she didn't give him, she did not, did not give him a chance to explain. Not right. then. She does later right. after talking with Jake and Nog of all freaking yes. people. Yes, we'll have to but, talk about that in a minute. But actually, yeah. but she does not give him a chance to explain. Yeah. But no, we can talk about it. Now. Well, I before that I do, fine. I just want to say, and maybe this will kind of just take us off track for a minute. But this episode, by by raising the stakes, making a big step, does put a point on it where I I don't yet quite buy this relationship, unfortunately. Um, again, you know how it happens, what goes on, but for the moment, for me, it's like, you know, she, as I just said, she didn't like, she didn't ask him like, Hey, like what's going on? She was like, you're afraid of commitment. She's, she's punishing him. Like, well, maybe I just want to take the job then. Maybe I'll, I'll like, Mm -hmm. you know, she responds in the. She suddenly makes him very responsible for her her future and well, everything. Because she's like, well, I guess I'm just not going to... And she means she lies. But yes, she says, well, she I guess lies. I'm just not going to take the job. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be on the station if you don't want to have me. I'm yes. not going to take the job. I'm not going to be... You know, like she, she, so then it suddenly becomes a... Now he is responsible for her well, what I, what I'm, future, her I, All of that. But what I'm getting at is to follow up on what you said about I wish they had come up with a better thing to say than like you're afraid of commitment. You know, that's the stereotypical men are afraid of commitment. Well, what's the stereotypical woman? Mm-hmm. To ask that question. To be like that. To be all accusatory and you're afraid of commitment. Like at this point, I'm not uh, – here's what I'm getting at. At the moment – the reason he likes her is because her brother plays baseball. But at the moment, other than the fact that she's around, I don't know why he likes her or why she likes him, other than the fact that they're just near oh, each other. Oh, I see what you're saying. Um, they Yeah, they haven't done enough to like endear us to yes, Cassidy yet, is what you're saying. Exactly. And so even at the end of the episode, when he's all apologizing and, and giving a legitimate explanation, I was expecting him to say all that. Um, you know, I lost a wife, yada, yada. But even at the end, I still wasn't quite there. I mean, the fact, again, like, it's it's a quirky little fun moment where she walks away after he goes to kiss her. Like, it's a cute moment, but it's also, again, it's like, okay, there's still tension there. Is this going to be held over mm-hmm. his head for the rest of their relationship? Um, basically, what I'm getting at is I want to love her as much as apparently Cisco, if he's going to commit to the relationship, is going to love her. And at the moment, I don't love her okay. as much as, as I would want to if, if that's going to be the way it goes. Um, 
I mean, heck, making relationships work is hard, both for character writing and in real life, so I get it. Um, but yeah. But we can move on to Jake Sisko giving love, love advice, both <laughs> from Nog and, and Quark. Oh my gosh. Getting relationship advice, or even talking it out with a Ferengi, is just insane. <laughs> So we'll we'll sum up Jake and Nog just fairly quickly to say that they gave some pretty solid advice when when it's their turn. Which I just just want to say, Jake and Nog talking gave some solid decent. Well, I just want to say because again, it's Cassie's like, yeah, Jake's a smart boy. I fully believe this conversation between Jake and Nog was Jake talking out law out loud and Nog being like, "What are you saying? That doesn't make any sense. Are you ridiculous? Like, you don't understand women. Like, I think Jake was." He, he, he includes Nog in the conversation because he's a nice kid. <laughs> but keep going, keep going. Right. He was he was less talking to Nog and more talking at Nog. He was he was just sounding out, out his ideas and, and Nog, Nog was just air. like, yes, yeah. Nog was in the room yeah. when he was talking out loud, yeah. But keep going, sorry. But when Cisco was talking with Bashir and Dax and he's asking them in their opinion and, and so forth. You didn't say very big get... step, did you? <laughs> Oh no, you didn't say that, did you? I, I don't right, think I right, did. all of that. <laughs> he's like, and then here comes Quark, and he's like, "Well, if you ask me," and he's like, "No one was asking you, and that's your problem." And then Quark <laughs> says, "You know, you've got it all wrong. If you, you, you humans, you've got to, uh, you humans, you yeah, you're always trying to win her affection and treat her like equals, but you have to realize women are the enemy." And then he says she's complaining about spending time. You're not spending enough time with her. Threatened to see her even less. She doesn't like the gifts that you got her. Take back the ones that yeah. She wants more gifts. Take back the ones you've already right. given her. And he's like, and when and Bashir's like, and when she leaves you, he's like, well, that's a hollow future. For. <laughs> like he's got a great answer for everything. But that oh whole, my gosh, uh, the reverse psychology of Ferengi relationships. Oh my gosh, it's 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 so adversarial. But I I don't know why I love that so much. Like it's just way to distill down well, a race and why they're kind of just reprehensible. But I mean, he just especially that whole part of oh she's wanting you to give her more gifts. Take yes, back such a Ferengi the answer. ones you've already yeah. given her. Oh, it really yeah. was. That was a great Ferengi well, answer. I love. Part of the it. reason it's like, yeah. so fun is because, I mean, if you if you really examine some toxic relationships out there, you can see that that works in terms of being a bad toxic relationship. There are probably people out there. There are some men who do do some version of that, and it's and it's messed up. And it's like, oh my gosh, that's that's how they, how is it that that ugly jerk has that beautiful woman? Well, it's because for some reason that's how that relationship works. He threatens They're both they're both probably terribly toxic individuals. Like she has some weird codependency on this man and he abuses it to the full extent and the Frankie have actually mastered it. (laughs) That is how they do relationships. So, So And it's and it's such a great cultural clash, right? Because as humans we would well and ideally we would not treat our partners this way but it also reminds me of another cultural clash that we saw several episodes ago and it was when garrick and bashir were talking about lying 
and Bashir tells the story of the boy who cried wolf. And remember Garrick's yes. takeaway from the yeah, story? Yeah, it's not that you should like, are, are you sure? Wolf. Are you sure that was the story? Yeah. yeah. You sure that was the, the moral of the tale? Because it was, he was like, yes. And what could it have possibly been? And he's very quick. Never say the same But you should never tell twice. the same lie yeah. twice. And walks out. So again, this, such a simple delivery of a couple of lines. And it so eloquently highlights the differences between our culture, our society, and right. theirs. And uh, I love it. And this this is yet another one of those instances. And I think that's why it stands out in my mind, just the way that that, you know, Boy Who Cries Wolf moment stands right. out. Because it's it's things that we feel like we already know and understand innately, right. right? So for somebody else to come in and offer such a drastically different perspective on something that we almost feel like is an instinct for us is fantastic and i think that's why this show excels because this is not the last time that we they, they do this we will see this in some other races that come up throughout um um deep space right. nine so uh be ready for that you know and we got tastes of that when especially we're dealing with like the klingons and stuff on next generation but uh we get to see more things like that here in deep space nine and i think that's really because we're on a space station and you know no one's going anywhere there's no threat that they're warping into everything is very much an an in-house inclusive thing that has to be dealt with so um we're gonna get a lot of that yeah wow (laughs) we and i i but i do love i have to say before we wrap everything up here i do love seeing the overall um growth of the cisco's uh, Jake is, you know, kind of coming into that mantle of being a man. And as I said, you know, Cisco is kind of learning to live again. You know, he's, he's not the overprotective kind of shut down father that he was Yeah, before. he does a great job of he's taking really Jake's growing. advice. When Jake talks to him, he doesn't yeah. know, what do you know? He actually like thinks on it, but keep going. Right. Yeah, yeah. He, and, and that's something that we've said from the beginning. He never dismisses Jake. He never acts like he knows everything from Jake. He listens and supports his son he protects his son too but he also protects the sense of of equality with his son like he's he's always willing to talk things out with him and listen to him with what it is he's gonna he has to say he never just dismisses him he never is condescending to him and he never just you know tries to shut jake up he he definitely enjoys those moments as much as we do and i think that's why um their relationship was always rated as one of the most successful father-son relationships that we will see depicted on TV. It's frequently talked about whenever you're doing like discussions of nineties families and nineties, you know, um, father figures and like that. He always, you know, Ben Cisco always comes out pretty close to the top on that because he does such a great job of, of hearing his son and supporting his son. And even when his son has turned it around on him and he's giving him the advice and the lecture and everything else, He's still there for it, a hundred percent. So yeah, I I absolutely love it, and um, I know that we're going to see more of it, and uh, I hope everybody enjoys it as much as I do. <laughs> sure, we do. <laughs> so final thoughts from the man who's viewing this for the first time. Final thoughts on indiscretion. Uh, I'll just say in general that season four has been a great season so far. This is again four episodes. Told in. you it would be. Yeah, it's it's great. Uh, we've had. I said that I said that we had to get to yeah. season four. Once we get to season yeah. four. Worf wasn't really in this episode. He was only there to tell Kira that you have a message uh, from a 
someone claiming to be your friend. I love it's such a wharf line. Like, there's someone who claims to know you. I don't trust that they do. Always suspicious. Yeah, but like, and then you see Always the guy, suspicious. and the guy's you know kind of a portly. You know, he, he was a he's a oh. We didn't talk about Roska enough. That is Roska Karn, and I just wanted to point out that that actor, we've actually seen him before. Not on Deep Space Nine, but in Next okay. Generation. If you can remember all the way back to Season 2 of Next Generation, he was in the episode, um, I think it's the War Games episode, where the Enterprise has to conduct war games with the old Hathaway okay. ship. And Riker is put in command of the Hathaway to do the war game simulation. Right. He is the Zach Dorn, the guy who comes on to evaluate the Enterprise oh. and Riker. And his name is, um, what is his name? Karame. Karame. And he challenges, and Data challenges him to a game of Stratagema okay. for the ship. And Data gets peak performance. That's the name of the episode. Peak <laughs> performance. And Data has to, and Data challenges him, and Data loses the first round. And Pulaski and Deanna try to get him to uh, challenge him again, but Data refuses. And Data has a, you know, a lack of suffers from a lack of confidence in himself. And Picard gives the greatest life lesson advice ever in that episode, and that's where he says, "It is possible to commit no mistakes and still lose." That is not a failure. That is life. And then he leaves. Like he always does. He just sprinkles these little gems on us and then darts out the door like a jerk. <laughs> but yeah, that was the episode. Peak performance. Pulaski, Data, Riker, and Koran. Gotcha. Okay. So yeah. So yeah, now he's back as Roska gotcha. Karn on Deep Space Nine. So there you go. Little little deep trek history for you going all the way well, back. I, I just love that he years. was a, a former. He just he was a former smuggler. He's now a, a scrap metal merchant, and he got he knew to bribe one of the Ferengis on the other ship to know where to go looking for the next like puzzle and the uh, clue. I just love that. If mm. you understand Ferengi, all you got to do is bribe somebody, and you're good to go. <laughs> hey, enough money, enough money, you can do anything. Enough money, you yeah. can do anything. Yeah. Well, I think that is going to do it for us for this episode. Uh, next week, we've got a very interesting um, episode for you to watch. Um, you should definitely go and check that out before you come and uh, watch us. I think that you will find it. It's it's probably one of the most debated episodes in in all of Trekdom. I'm gonna, I, I don't think there's many more that get... Uh, yeah, okay. called up as much. Rejoined. It's called Rejoined. This is going to be our first uh, Dax feature of the fourth season. Uh, so yeah, just be oh, ready for rejoined. that. It's going to we're going to go into some love. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, again, we have no really no updates on uh, new Trek stuff beyond the ending of Picard, which is next week. This week, whenever it is, you listen to this. Um, I do know that Strange New Worlds is coming back June fifteenth. So uh, we'll have some, finally, some new episodes of that show. Again, uh, Discovery is over. It's done. They're, they haven't released the final season yet, but this will be the fifth and final season. So um, uh, I'll, I'm sure that I'll want to talk about that when it happens, because I actually really enjoyed that show. And um, 
not too happy that gotcha. it's ending. Um, but that's going to be it, and we'll get to other stuff later on. Quick and, question. Um, uh, do we have an update on the mug, uh, Fire Caves mug situation with Twitter? And- oh, the mug. I thought you said the bug. No. Um, no update on that this time, but we will do that okay. next time. Um, there's a couple of things I need to work out, but we will do that. So you have to time. watch the uh, first so, yeah. episode of season four, our first episode of season yes, four. Yes. So you still have a chance to enter, but yes, you have to watch or listen to the very first episode of season four, which was the way of the warrior. Um, you can, uh, leave us a comment either through Facebook, uh, Twitter, on the YouTube, uh, show any of those things and then uh once we a winner selected we'll reach out to you and everything else but yeah you still have a little bit of time because i needed to work a couple of things out so go do it because this is it once all this stuff gets edited and put out there we're just that's it all right so um go do it and uh we'll be back in touch with you uh, to update you on that but as i say every single week that's it for us now and until next time take care of yourselves thanks guys